Welcome to the Family Nonsense Podcast, providing personal finance for families. Join Rich and James, who debate, relate, and make sense of the financial nonsense. All right, Rich, let's dive in today's episode. Will my retirement survive inflation? Everyone wants to know. Everyone's getting scared. They're listening to the news. And we just want to know, like, are we going to be able to retire or are we going to have to deal with these inflation, this inflation problem uh, once we kind of retire? Yes. Yeah, so uh, with inflation over 8% right now, um, the answer would be no, none of us are going to survive retirement uh, with the current inflation the way that it is. And that's why the Federal Reserve is, uh, is so hawkish right now, increasing interest rates because they know that they have to bring these numbers down. And, you know, if you think about it, we went like, 15 years, you know, 20 years where there's like basically no inflation and the government was able to get away with printing money and we had a growing economy and, you know, everything was kind of going in the right direction. So people didn't have to worry about it as much. But right now it is top of mind for everybody, you know, and how do you combat inflation? So like I work with a lot of people who are retired and have fixed incomes. And for people in that situation, like it is very hard right now, right? Even if you had a pension, most pensions, like I work with a lot of teachers, right? So if you had a pension, you retired from, you know, say, for example, the New York State teacher retirement system, and you had a pension from them, you really don't get a cost of living increase. You know, there's one written in there, but it's so minuscule that it just makes zero impact. Right. So their income is fixed. Now you have Social Security, which has a cost of living increase. And we're about to get a huge one with Social Security, you know, when that resets because of these incredibly high CPI numbers and inflation numbers. So at least you get it on the on the Social Security piece. But for us, you know, for us youngins who uh, have retirement ways away, there's no way unless inflation comes down. So, you know, one thing I always like to look at is um, when projecting into the future is the rule of 72. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but basically what yeah. it is, is if you take 72, you divide it into a growth rate, into a percentage rate, it will tell you how long it takes before something will double, right? So very simple example, if you could earn an 8% rate of return in the stock market, you know, then you know, using the rule of 72, that it will take nine years for your investment to double. So you drop 100 grand in the stock market, you get an 8% rate of return. It'll take nine years for that 100 grand to grow into 200 grand, right? So that rule of 72. So if you're thinking about inflation, if we have a 3% inflation rate, right, and you take 72 divided by three, that's 24 years, right? So you have to look at it like 24 years from now, even at low inflation rates of 3%, the price of everything doubles. It's like, we don't really remember, you know, 24, 25 years ago, what the prices of things were, but they have definitely doubled since then, right? But incomes go along with that. So you have all these different moving parts. And it's like, you have to be able to invest in things that are going to outpace inflation once you get to retirement or else you're going to get left behind. And then in retirement, it's tough because you still need your assets to grow, right? So it's great to have fixed costs in retirement. So like a mortgage, you know, is something that you just know the price is going to stay the same. That's why I'm a big fan of home ownership. And when you're retired, I don't like the idea of renting in retirement because then like, look at what happened to rents over the last year. You know, the rents could explode higher. You could have a landlord who decides to sell a property and then you got to move. Who wants to move in their seventies and their eighties? You know, so home ownership, I think is a big part of retirement and keeping up with inflation and having that like that. That nice lifestyle. Uh, but uh, but yeah, you have to invest in things that are going to grow, right? You can't just keep your money in the savings account and hope that you're going to keep pace with inflation because right now, you know, that's just not the case. So a lot of moving parts when you think about inflation and everything, and you want to be very well diversified because even with inflation high right now, 
you know, things haven't performed the way that we thought that they would. So like gold has always been touted as a big inflation hedge, but gold has performed, you know, I mean, compared to the stock market, it hasn't been as bad, but over the last 12 months, gold hasn't done what we all expected it would do in very high inflationary times, right? Bitcoin did not turn out to be an inflation hedge, right? It turned out to be a real risk asset that's gotten, you know, obliterated. Um, stock market, you know, over the long term, it's proven that it does outpace inflation. But when you have downturns in the economy, then you're stuck with, you know, down 25% in a year like we currently stand. So it's very hard. You have to be very well diversified and have all those moving pieces. I mean, real estate has held up, but now we're starting to see that roll over a little bit as well. So yeah, it's tough. Yeah, I definitely like how you're talking about just being diverse when it comes to, you know, everything you're going to do investing wise and also uh, expense wise. So having that balance, I think, is a really good way to combat inflation because you're, you definitely want to invest, right? So we're going to have to still invest. But if we diversify our financial portfolio and try to be somewhat debt free and pay off our house, not have to worry about paying off a mortgage or having to pay rent. So, you know, not having a car bill. So if you deflate why things inflate, it's going to just help you have the peace of mind. So investments are going to do what investments do. So obviously you want to save what you can and, you know, and you hope for the best, you know, you make a couple still good decisions along the way, but investments, no matter what you put in there, you know, you're going to have to sit on that and you're going to have to watch and you're going to have to squirm for the 25 years or, or more that you, that you invest. So while you're doing that, you want to be also setting up, you know, some type of other plan, like a backup plan, like being debt free, not having, you want to almost feel like you're retired as you're trying to achieve retirement. So this way you're already living on less, you know, than, than, than you need. And you're able to not have to worry about the stocks doing good, about the government giving you your retirement funds. And, you know, you're already living very minimalistic. So that's really just going to help you just live that balance. And you're going to feel retired already before you retire. So I'm not even going to worry about inflation and all that crap because I'm going to live like I'm retired now in the sense of I just want to live minimalistic. I don't want to pay on things that are inflated already. So I'm going to try to cut that out. I'm still going to spend money, but I'm just not going to feel the pain already. So I'm already, I'm worried about the now, not, not the future. So if I'm already trying to feel like I'm retired, then I'm going to be, you know, set up for, you know, for retirement in the future. I'm not going to worry about inflation. Yeah. And, you know, a big difference between our generation and younger and like our parents' generation is that, you know, our parents had pensions, right? My father worked for IBM. He had a pension from IBM and that took a lot of the burden off in retirement for him. Again, his pension um, doesn't have a cost of living increase. So it stayed steady for the last, you know, 20 years since he's been retired. And then he has social security as well. For us, we're not going to have pensions, but a big difference with us and the younger generations is that, we are choosing careers or we are kind of forging our own way where we're starting businesses. We have side hustles. We're doing yeah. things that we're passionate about. And I see myself working until I die. You know, it's like, I don't really see yeah, myself yeah. wanting to retire at age 65 or age 70. Like, yeah, I don't want to be grinding, you know, I'm worrying about money on a month to month basis, but at the same point, I want to keep busy. And I, you know, I, I should be able to still earn some kind of income doing things that I really enjoy doing and love, even if it's not a tremendous amount of income, any income in that stage of life is going to carry a lot of weight at that point. So if you take that into consideration, hopefully social security will still be there. And I'm a big fan of delaying social security as long as you can, because 
because that payment has that cost of living increase. So the longer you could delay it and then have that compound, um, I think is a great way to go. And there are other benefits to Social Security as well. It's just we're all very worried that Social Security, it just isn't going to be the same by the time we get there or our kids get there. Um, so we just it's just a big variable with that. But then the biggest point, which you just touched on, is not having any debt and having very fixed lifestyle expenses, you know, so the things that you could control that are going to be fixed and known. Um, and hopefully a lot of them are zero, like car payments and like a mortgage um, and things like that, where, you know, you just don't need that big amount of money that inflation isn't going to, uh, isn't going to completely take you out. And if you're a homeowner at that point too, you know, if we have high inflation and property values, you know, should keep up with that and, and go up with that as well. So, um, yeah. so yeah, so I'm not as worried about inflation, but if you walk into retirement with debt, without a lot of money saved, you know, still kind of grinding it out, then it's like, you know, you're, you're stuck. You're yeah. yeah you're, you're, you're completely screwed. If you, yeah. If you're going to live, you know, when you turn 65, if you're going to live the same way that you're living when you're 35 with kids and you're going to have, you're still going to be having that hustle and bustle, all these payments, keeping up with the Joneses, it's going to be a challenge to retire, even if you do have a good nest egg. Because you're only you can you, you're you're limited by by your stupidity, so you know you kind of you have to also just remember you're going to slow it down a little bit, right? Eventually, you know you're going to reach your golden years, and you know what? You're also not going to live that long. At the end of the day, I mean, you know the average person, you know, you know I say I think about fifty percent of the people don't even make it past their seventies, so. You know, if we're lucky enough to be the 50 percent that does make it past our 70s, and even if we do, we're not going to be going on vacation every week. We're not going to be living this fast lifestyle. We're going to slow it down a little bit. So right. we're going to have a deflated life. You know, as I, as much as I don't want to think like that, that we're going to die, that we're going to slow down. It's it's going to be it, it's it's a fact. You know, we can't we can't change that. So we're also not going to have to live off too much. So by having that balance, by doing what Rich is saying is removing some of the debt, investing still, right, and kind of preparing for that, lowering your means, living off a good lifestyle, you're going to live a balanced life throughout that. So you're not going to have to worry about when you're 80 about running out of money because you've already been set with that mindset, you know, for decades. So keep that in mind as, you know, as you live your life is that, you know, you're not going to you're gonna have different goals when you when, once you retire. So, and that's also gonna change you know, your your spending habits. Yeah, and you know when I run financial plans for people, it is eye opening when we look at the. 30 year horizon of what like the cost could be, you know, 30 years down the road because of inflation. And typically when I'm running plans, I do use like a 3% inflation number. Uh, but it's just like if somebody's spending, you know, which I find most people are $10,000 or more per month to live because life is expensive when we're in our 30s and in our 40s and everything. Yeah. If you inflate that out over 30 years, right, with nothing changing, it's like, uh, oh, my God, you know, it's like my $10,000 a month expenses for the same amount of goods and services that you're getting just because of inflation, you know, that could be $20,000, $22,000 a month. And then, you know, retirement looks impossible, but it just doesn't work out that way because your lifestyle, you know, when you have a big house, three kids and expenses, everything pulling at you every every which way, once you go into retirement, you know, all of that is, is hopefully relieved from you and you could live on much less, yeah. um, you know, and then you have these, uh, these stable forms of income. You know, I always talk about when you retire, you have have 
the go-go years right after retirement where you want to be on the go, traveling the world, having fun, you know, and enjoying life. And then you have the slow-go years a little bit after that where you start to slow down a little bit. And then you hit the no-go years. You know, once you get into your 80s and stuff, you, you're not really going anywhere. You're not really doing too much. Um, but, you know, with science, with everything going on, I mean, maybe me and you, maybe we will live to be 120, 130. Who knows? Uh, who knows what will yeah. happen, right? <laughs> but, yeah. but I'm not planning on it, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean... I hope I hope that we do, and um, you know it's. But uh, we also want to make sure that we get everything in before you know it's not up to us, right? So we have we're more control now. So we want to have that balance, and we don't want to. At the same time, we don't want to put ourselves in a bad position when we do retire, right? So you know we kind of we want to have you know and revolve our spending habits. You know why we're this age, why we're younger, why we're in our 30s or 20s, why we have kids. And, you know, we also want to teach our, our kids th th this as well, you know, throughout the process. So switching topics a little bit, a lot of people, they, they're kind of, they're, they're scared to, to invest, number one, because everything seems to be deflating at the moment. And when you invest, it seems to just really just like you're on a treadmill, you're going nowhere because of inflation. So people don't know what to do. They're holding, they're waiting for the perfect time. Then they're, you know, trying to invest in something very risky to just become rich overnight. How should people just invest with inflation in mind and just a kind of peace of mind type of retirement? Yeah, so it's funny, uh, over on uh, my YouTube channel, so I have a YouTube channel, School of Personal Finance, and I just uploaded a video this morning, you know, and the title of it was, you know, stocks hit a new low, what to do now, right? And with us being down 25% for the year, people start to panic, they get freaked out. I was just talking about how, you know, the third quarter just ended, you're going to get those quarterly statements, and you're going to be like, you know, oh no, like what is going on right now? Get me out of this crap. But that's the exact wrong thing to do. So in this kind of environment, it's almost like you have to take a step back and you have to just stick to the plan. So if you're young and you're saving for retirement, it just doesn't matter what's going on now. You know, if anything, it presents an opportunity. So when the market's down 25% off of a high, it's a great time to be juicing up those 401k contributions, right? Continue to dollar cost average every two weeks, throw money into the market, set it and forget it and not worry about it, right? That's the way that you get rich is over a long time of consistently investing slow and steady yeah. and not taking, you know, huge risks, huge gambles and pushing all your chips in, you know, in things that could fall apart over the next few months. So we have to understand that economies go through cycles, things go up and down. And we had like a 10 year bull run in the stock market where now things look really crappy and it, we could be in for a long road of this happening. As long as the Fed is tightening, you know, asset levels are going to come down across the board and it's going to continue. I don't see a, a quick rebound to all time highs in the stock market, but you have to look at it like an opportunity. If we stay down here for the next few years, say that gives you three years of maxing out your 401k at these lower levels. And eventually we'll have another cycle the u.s economy will grow everything will be okay we're not going to fall apart and then yeah. you'll have these years of accumulation when we have the next bull run even if it's a decade from now you'll have more shares you'll have more money invested and you'll enjoy that next run so you just have to have a level head and not look at it like oh i lost this money this is another thing i talked about in the videos that a lot of people you know they take their high watermark they look at the highest their account value has ever been and everything is gauged off of that right so then they see it go down and 
you're like, oh, I'm down 25%. I lost $200,000 in my 401k. You know, I want to throw up all over myself, but it's just not really how it is, right? Because over the last few years, you've made that money, you know, and now you're giving it back and it sucks, but now you're buying more and then it's going to cycle around and go back up again. So it's just the way that it works. You know, we go through these cycles and um, and sticking with it and investing over the long term. It's the way that people do grow their wealth and walk into retirement with a very large nest egg. It's the ones who panic and say, this isn't for me. I don't want to have anything to do with it. Those are the ones that find themselves, you know, in that situation that uh, they are walking into retirement and they just don't have the assets that are needed in order to enjoy themselves. Yeah, it, it's it's really hard at this age to, to, um, to kind of worry about the future when the now is a mess, right? This is like my first big year of investing. So I've always been focused on on debt or just being stupid with money. So I'm kind of through that season in my life. So now I'm trying to educate myself and I'm investing, you know, quite a, quite a bit. I'd say almost 50% of my income trying to make up and I'm getting beat up, you know, through the stocks. I'm hearing, you know, just with the politics are a mess. It, you know, it just, it looks very grim. There's competition I've never seen before in the stock market with NFTs, with crypto. So there's things that are taking future shareholders' attention, right? Of people that don't might not even care about stocks. And I, it, it's it's really hard and very painful for me to invest because I'm seeing things that there's no history, right? To 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 fall back on, right? We talk about how there's history of the 10% gains, you know, every year. But all I've seen is the past two years of 15 or you know, five to 15% losses, and that's all I know. And it's very scary and very painful. And, you know, so anyone that's kind of going through that, you know, we're, we're, we're very, we're very challenged at this age and Rich, I know you, you've seen some really good years. So talk us, talk us off the ledge here because like, I haven't, I haven't gotten any love from these investments. Like this sucks. Yeah. Like, like I'm like losing opportunities to go on vacation. I'm losing opportunities to upgrade my house. And I'm seeing it go down the, the tube. I just put $4,000 into my kids, um, you know, just investments for future. And I lost for each of them. I lost about like $500 in like two weeks. Yeah. And like, I want to cry. Like, I feel like I screwed up my kid's future because I only got a certain amount of army of dollar bills that can go for these kids. Cause I got to worry about me too. And I've just like, I feel like I screwed up. I mean, can you, can you uh, take me off the ledge here and, and help me yeah. out? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, even if we just start with like portfolio constructions, like NFTs and Bitcoin and that stuff, I really do believe that you have to keep that to a minimum of your portfolio because that is very high risk and we just don't know where it's going to go. So 5% of your overall is the most that I would um, allocate towards that. And then once we get past that and we have like an, an asset allocation that you're comfortable with, then we start talking about time horizon, right? So any money that you need in the next three years, you should have in savings accounts, cash equivalents. Even now, like treasury bills are paying, like a two-year treasury bill is paying over 4% right now, which is pretty crazy. We haven't seen that in a very long time. Capital One 360 savings account is paying 2.15 right now. So you could get decent rates of return on your short-term cash, right? The money that you need in the next few years. But once we start moving out the timetable and time horizon, right, it starts to ease my, my anxiousness 
curious about these investments because I know that over the long term that the economy will cycle back. And I look, I, it's a shift in mindset where you feel like you messed up by, you know, dropping four grand into, say, an S&P 500 index fund or a total stock market index fund, right? Because the last month has been pretty dismal. The last two weeks have really been dismal, right? Yeah. So you feel like you messed up, but... All you have to do is you have to shift that mind and say, you know, wow, like I could add more money now at these lower prices. I'm going to buy more shares at lower prices and accumulate, right? You want to look at share price, not at the account value. So you want to accumulate shares, knowing that eventually the U.S. economy will start to tick up again, and these shares will become more valuable over the long term. And if you have a 10-year time horizon or more, then you just have to look at these downturns as just an opportunity to buy more shares at lower prices. I know that it's hard. You have to have a leap of faith. You have to trust that the economy is going to bounce back and that it's not going to be different this time. Because that's what you'll hear is, no, this time is different. Like the world is going to blow up and we're all going to be obliterated. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's different this time. But do you know how many people throughout history have said it's different this time? And it just didn't turn out to be different this time. So, you know, the US, we're resilient, we're strong, we fight back, we figure out ways to move forward, right? And to get through the messes that we have, the political messes. This isn't the first time that we've had, you know, gridlock like this, where the left hates the right and the right hates the left and we can't agree on anything. You know, that's been like the history of the US, right? It's like we're always in this constant state. This is the first time that, you know, presidents have Twitter handles though. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Can you yeah. imagine if the president from uh, back in the day had social media accounts? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> It would be crazy, but... Yeah, yeah, so you, know, you just you can't look at it like I messed up because you're looking at a very short term time period, right? Like if you invested 100 grand in Bitcoin in November, you know, and now your 100 grand is worth 20 grand, um, that would be very painful right now, right? It would be uh, you'd be licking your chops and saying, ah, I really messed up and I don't know if it's going to come back, right? But with the stock market, it's a little bit different. You know, you don't see 80% price declines in the stock market. You just you, you just keep adding, you keep dollar cost averaging and, you know, you, you have faith that it's going to turn out in the future, that it's going to turn out all right. So when you invest in large, broad index funds, you're not making big gambles on any one individual stock, right? You're buying a basket of 500 stocks or, you know, the total stock market index is almost 5,000 stocks that you yeah. buy when you just buy and that you know, Rich, is that like these stocks that you're talking about they're like they are like really good companies that you're investing in I mean these companies are not doing bad they're they're growing right I mean like yeah. Apple Google all them they're, they're, they're making money hand over fist but the stocks are just not performing but these are strong companies that, that that's when I would really be scared yeah is I mean and these you know Apple losing money and, and yeah. you know companies like that it, you know the problem is, you know, they ain't losing money over there. No, they're not losing money, but they're not growing at the same pace that they were. And the valuations, you know, you can make the argument have been very high for companies like Google and Apple and Amazon. Uh, but now they've come back a lot, you know, so like even Apple, Apple's got to beaten up very bad this week, um, you know, just on the noise that um, that they're slowing down production or that they didn't need to juice up production for the iPhone 14 as much as they initially had thought. And the stock sold off, you know, pretty big over the last week. I mean, Amazon, Google, they're down over 30 percent this year and they are slowing down. Their growth rates are slowing down. When interest rates go up, these growth companies get hurt because their growth rate into the future that we're all counting on gets reduced because of these higher interest rates. So it brings down, you know, the uh, the growth rates on these stocks, which brings down the valuation.
valuations. And we've seen that with all stocks that don't really have earnings, right? These high flying names where during the pandemic, you know, like the Zooms of the world and the Roku's and, you know, these very high growth stocks where we were projecting out, you know, big earnings into the future, but then you start raising interest rates and all of a sudden you start using different uh, numbers when calculating the value of the stock and they've all been beaten to hell over the last year. But when you buy into these funds, you know, like a broad-based index fund, it's so well diversified where you're going to have some mark, some parts of the market that are going to suck, some parts that are doing well, they kind of offset each other a little bit. And you just hope that you're going to get that average growth, you know, over the long term by investing in all of these things, where if you were just very tech heavy, then the last month has been, you know, terrible for you. Um, but if you were very tech heavy, you know, over the last five or six years, then you've been doing awesome, you've been doing great, right? So there's a little bit of rotation to value to dividend type stocks. But when you buy like a total stock market index, you're encompassing all of that, you're getting some of all of that, you you know, and so you're taking less risk, not to say it's not risky, because even like the Vanguard total stock market index fund, you know, is down 25% year to date. And that's a big kick in the gut. But um, but that's just the way that it works. It's like we, we've seen this before. We'll see it again. We cycle through this. And as you get into retirement, you got to keep those time horizons the same, right? Any money you need in the next three years should be in cash, even in retirement, right? And then you have your midterm bucket, right? Where any money you need from years four to year seven, they're invested a little bit less risky because it doesn't have as long of a time horizon. And then any money that you have, you know, for 10 plus years, you continue investing in the stock market for growth. So you kind of have it out in buckets. And I kind of look at my whole life that way, you know, like even right now, my one to three year bucket is in cash and cash equivalents. I'm not worried about that. I'm not worried about having to sell things down at these 25% uh, less valuations to create, you know, to continue my lifestyle, right? I have those three years safe and secure. And then after that, everything is invested for more growth. So time horizon plays a big part, but you can't beat yourself up over getting, having losses because that's going to happen. You know, it's just, a, it's just a part of the game and it's a part of investing. It's the risk that you take to get that higher return, to get that reward of being able to average 8% over a 10 year period. But yeah, it's sucks when you're going through it and it starts you start questioning your sanity and when you lose enough that's when you say i'm done you know throwing the towel get me out of this thing i'm done and that's usually the exact wrong time to do it right when things are about to kind of turn and start going up again so it's hard you know psychology it messes with you and it plays such a big part of it. and you shouldn't be investing money that you need that you're that you're not willing to hold for a while and have, you know, take some risk on. If you're losing sleep over your investments right now, then that means that you're probably invested a little bit too heavily and you don't have your emergency fund and your short-term stuff um, in the place where it needs to be. Yeah. Well, that was good. That was good, Rich. That was like therapy. So uh, <laughs> now this this is good stuff. You know, everybody, it's pe pe there's a lot of people like me that just want to jump off the ledge when it comes to investing. We're running a, a, a quicker race and it should be more of a marathon. And it's good to kind of uh, hear from you to kind of just slow it down a little bit and kind of, uh, you know, in, in enjoy the enjoy, you know, how, how long these investments take and kind of, you know, also educate yourself on the way and, you know, and be consistent. So it, it's, it's really good. And it's not just stocks, you know, it's like when you think about housing too, like somebody, like say you're a first time home buyer right now and you're out shopping for a house and, you know, you go ahead and you buy that house because that's where you are in life and you want to purchase a house. I mean, this happened to me, you know, back in 2007. I mean, it was my second place that I bought, but I bought it 2007 at the height of the market. And you could be looking back, you know, five years from now and say, oh, like I just got killed. I'm underwater. I made a terrible mistake and, uh, you know, I'm miserable and I hate real estate and I hate buying a house and I don't ever want to do it again because it's caused me so much stress. So timing is everything. And with stocks, I feel like right now, you know, it's not a great time to jump all into the stock market, right? Especially if you don't have a high risk tolerance. That's why I love like 401ks, retirement accounts, dollar cost averaging 
changing, you know, just doing it that way. But even with the houses that people bought in 2007, it took a while, but they eventually did come back. So that's why it's hard to look at your home as an investment. You look at it like a place to live. But over the very long term, it does create wealth for you because you're paying down your mortgage and eventually, you know, you'll be able to um, be, be debt free from your house. And maybe you parlay that into, you know, you downsize into a smaller place going into retirement. And that does constitute a big piece of your nest egg going into retirement where you have a house with no mortgage, you sell it, you downsize, you know, now you have a smaller house with no mortgage, plus you have some money left over that you could use for those go-go years, right? And put off social security and let your investments continue to grow. So it all kind of comes together, but it sucks when you get the timing wrong, you know, through no fault of your own just because you're in that life stage um, and you just gotta you gotta get through it you know but um but yeah i don't think this is an environment to push all your chips in on anything and to make any big bets i think that it is a great environment though to continue maxing out retirement accounts and dollar cost averaging and you know continuing to buy on dips and things like that even though it feels miserable yeah cool well great insight that's gonna it's gonna wrap it up for this episode so we hope this helps you and uh and just educates you on the inflation and, and what it takes to kind of, you know, overcome, you know, these obstacles when it comes to retirement. So um, thanks again for your time, Rich. All right, man. Good to see you. Enjoy, uh, enjoy the weekend and uh, I'll see you again next week. All right. See you. Take care. Right. Bye-bye. Bye.